Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church. Thanks for clicking in. My name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors. If we haven't met, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, you know what else I'm glad uh, about? Like, uh, have you ever just found like an incredible treasure? Like you didn't think it was worth anything or worth much, but when you found it, uh, when you discovered how much it was really worth, it was blowing your mind. Like I always wished as a kid that these, these baseball cards I was collecting and the comic books I was collecting would pay for my college, but actually I'm not even sure that the stuff that I purchased in the 90s is worth anything. They just mass produced, but that's not always been true. Check this out. Comic book, Action Comics, number one. This is the debut of Superman. Uh, it's a piece of paper, right? It's a, just a little booklet. Uh, this little booklet was found inside the walls of a home in Minnesota when this, uh, this guy was renovating their house. It's like, how is that in the wall? Why is that in the wall? Some kid was hiding it from their parents. Who knows? It sold, uh, this was some time ago, but it sold for $175 thousand dollars this comic book from 1938 that's just incredible wouldn't it be great to find that comic book and and actually uh, a, an anonymous bidder sometime later uh, you know that was the initial sale but sometime later it, it went up for auction and uh, it sold for 2.16 million dollars that's crazy that's so crazy how about this how would you like to be the person who bought this egg at a, uh, an, I don't know if it was an auction or a rummage sale or something, this guy just uh, went into uh, some sort of flea market. He purchased it. He thought it was solid gold. He was a metal worker and he was like, I'm gonna melt this down and I'm gonna sell it for tens of thousands of dollars. So he paid $13,302 for this, what he thought was a solid gold egg. He opens it up and it's just this, what he thinks is a gimmicky clock. He's so disappointed, it's hollow. He's looking at this and he's thinking, this is, this is a novelty item that if I'm lucky, if it's gold uh, and I melt it down, he'll get $500. But, but uh, in his discouragement, in his frustration, he, uh, he decided to take it to uh, some egg expert, some jewelry expert, and, uh, and here's what he found. He found that this egg was actually a Fabergé egg, and uh, it is something that was created for uh, the Russian imperial family. And uh, he found out that this thing that he thought was worth $500, that he paid under $14,000 for, was actually worth just a measly $33 million. This guy bought at a flea market. Could you just imagine how this guy is feeling? Uh, in related news, that's the same price that you can buy eggs for today at Hy-Vee. Uh, <laughs> how about this? The Declaration of Independence. This guy, he bought a painting and uh, at a flea market four dollars and for some reason the back of it as he was looking and fumbling around with it he saw a tear and he looked at it and then the whole back it just it just kind of ripped open and out falls one of the reprints the original like you know there's not just one declaration of independence uh, i think there was like 500 and uh, this just fell out of the back and uh sotheby's in 1991 had this go up for auction. They thought it was gonna bring 800 to 1.2 million dollars. 800,000 to 1.2 million dollars. It actually sold for 2.42 million dollars. Are you kidding me? This guy turned four dollars into a million dollars. Or how about this? this? We'll just look at one more. This guy purchased some glass negatives. Uh, a glass negative, uh, you know, he got 65 of these glass negatives in a box. He spent 40, 
$5 for these glass negatives. He's not trying to rip anybody off. He wasn't scamming anybody. He didn't know what he had and he was trying to get it for as cheap as possible. He's just a collector. He loves photographs and he loves this vintage glass negative vibe. Uh, and he took this box and he noticed there was something unique and special. These pictures were beautiful. And so he took these glass negatives uh, to, to somebody who could like verify what they were, where they were from, and they were all found to be glass negatives from Ansel Adams. Uh, and I'm telling you, I would love to have one of these, but he had, he had 65 of these glass negatives and uh, the estimated value, $200 million. It's incredible. I, I Googled all of these, I, they're verified. These are real, true, genuine stories. I mean, this is the idea that contributes to so many popular TV shows, right? I mean, the Antiques Roadshow. I don't even know what network they were on. It was a no-watch network. And then people just started watching it because it was so interesting finding these items that were antique, but they were actually worth so much, or some people found out that they were worth nothing. Uh, you know, we've got just a variety of pawn shows and picker shows. I mean, we know that, right? I mean, uh, the, the American Pickers is a show based from some guys in, in Iowa. And what they do is they go to somebody's house or barn, they find what is junk to somebody else, they just kind of pick through it to find what is fantastic, what would be a treasure to them. They, they restore it or they just discover it. And each of these stories that we shared, like the treasure was always there. And if people just knew what they had, they could have easily reached out and grabbed it for themselves. But they didn't know it was there. They didn't know its value. They didn't know it was something of worth. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to grab your Bible. Why don't you grab your Bible or maybe you have a Proverbs journal or your YouVersion Bible app and I want you to flip or click to Proverbs chapter 8. And, and a lot like these newsworthy stories, Solomon continues to remind us that wisdom is closer than you think and it's worth more than you can imagine. You know, Solomon, he, he personifies wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, and he launches this chapter by saying that wisdom, it, it wants to be found. Wisdom wants to be found and discovered. It's not hiding. In fact, Solomon, he paints this picture of wisdom shouting for your attention. Here's what he says. Doesn't wisdom call out? Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? At, at the heights overlooking the road, at the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city and at the main entrance, she cries out. Like wisdom is everywhere looking for attention, looking for your attention. And it's not like, you know, I need attention. It's, hey, you need this. Let me get your attention. Uh, you know, any time in your life, uh, can you remember like hearing your mom or your dad yell your name? Maybe it was a grandparent for you. And, and you could hear the voice and uh, you knew exactly who it was because you live with those people. Those are the voices that are most common in your life. When you hear those voices, you know exactly what, what the person uh, wants, right? In their tone, in their actions, and, and especially if they use your middle name. Anytime that I heard Brandon Michael Early, I knew that I need to come running. And maybe you did the same. Actually, maybe you ran the other direction because you knew that meant trouble. But the point is you recognize the voice, right? You heard the voice. Wisdom, wisdom is not this uh, solo private characteristic or, or attribute. Like it's calling out in the roads, in the streets, in the public square, in the city. It's available and it wants to be found. 
wisdom. It's easy to identify, and, and if you're listening for it, if your ears are in tune with it, you, you can understand who wisdom is and what wisdom is. When wisdom's voice is recognized, it's just, it's just easier to make wise decisions. Look at Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me. This is wisdom shouting. I love those who love me and those who search for me find me. Wisdom's not hiding. Wisdom wants to be found. And Solomon, he opens this whole chapter by saying wisdom is accessible for everybody. It's closer than you think. Wisdom is closer than you think. Wisdom, it's not reserved for elite leaders. Wisdom's not snobbish or distant. Wisdom's attainable. It's attainable by all people, even for those of us who are ordinary. And the power of wisdom is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, It's within our reach. It's within all of our reach. But unfortunately, not everybody sees how close wisdom is. Solomon, he's been telling us for chapters, and he'll continue to tell us how uh, valuable wisdom is and where we can find wisdom. And and he's actually ghostwriting here in chapter 8 as wisdom. And and here's what Solomon writes, but he's writing as wisdom. He says, I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness, and I have knowledge and discretion. I love this. Let's keep reading. Look at at this from uh, verses 20 and 21. Wisdom says, I walk in the ways of righteousness along paths of justice, uh, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. Like we find wisdom as we walk. Do you see? Do you see where wisdom is? It's walking in righteousness. It's with paths of justice. You know, when you and I, when we're walking with God, as we walk with God, uh, you know, we walk along these paths of righteousness and and injustice with wisdom. Uh, It's partnered with, with shrewdness and prudence, meaning that when we are making good judgment, wisdom is right there helping us make good decisions. That's where wisdom lives. It lives on that path. It it partners in that home with prudence and shrewdness. You know, when you're with God, when when you're in a fully devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, you're you're faithfully following him. That's the way of righteousness. That's the path of justice. Anyone will find wisdom right there. Every once in a while, you hear somebody talk about their, their walk, right? Their walk with God, or they ask you, how's your walk? What are you doing in your walk? And I'll tell you this. Uh, If you don't know what that looks like, you and I, we're walking with God when we're doing three things. And we talk about this all the time. Maybe write these down. They're they're simple, but they're profound. Uh, Do we have a a prayer life, an active prayer life where you're you're communicating with God, you're talking with God, you're taking your, your requests and your needs, but you're also talking to Him about how awesome and praiseworthy He is, how how you adore Him. Uh, Are you in His Word? You know, are you are you taking uh, your, your life into the text. Not that you make the text about you, but you discover about your life from the text. And, and are you seeking wise counsel? Are you, you looking for godly advice for men and women who are walking with Jesus? You know? so, so when you and I, when we're seeking wisdom, we've got to ask three uh, questions or di- questions in, in at least these three directions. We, we ask God questions through prayer. We ask questions and we look for answers in his word. And we ask questions or we share our plans with, with people who are doing life with us. That's, that's why you're in a life group. Like being in a life group is a great place for you to receive wise counsel, for you to even be wise counsel. 
you know, we celebrate life groups because we love being in community with others who are following Jesus, just like you and I are following Jesus. But, but when we ignore praying and when we ignore God's word and when we don't seek wise, godly counsel, it's impossible for you and I to find wisdom and make good decisions. Bad decisions are bound to be made when we depend on our own wisdom and our own understanding and on our own feelings. And many of us, when, when we lack wisdom, unfortunately, we, we often might lean into confidence. Some of us lean toward like not being confident, just being quiet and ignoring. But when we lean into confidence, that's a dangerous area. You know, somebody who says, you know what, everything will be fine. I'll figure it out. Uh, just follow me. How, how bad could it be? Uh, just, just let's, you know, we always get there. Just go with the flow, right? Uh, we'll get there eventually. And I'm telling you, outrageous confidence is no replacement for wisdom. Some of us have outrageous confidence because we're embarrassed to ask questions. You got to hear this. Don't miss this. Asking questions is not a confession that you lack wisdom. Actually, asking questions before you step into a situation proves that you are following the path of wisdom. Fools do whatever they want to do. It's a fool who does what is right in their own eyes, but a wise person asks questions and tries to find the right way. You know, wisdom is actually closer than you think. And uh, uh, wisdom is, is more valuable than you can imagine. Look at this. Proverbs 8, 20, and 21. This is such uh, a profound statement from Solomon or as wisdom. You know, I walk. So in our walk, when we're walking in the way of righteousness, what, what is the benefit? When we're walking, when we're walking along the paths of justice, there's tremendous benefit and value. Look at this. Uh, wealth as an inheritance and uh, filling the treasures. Like, can you imagine that when you and I, when we're walking that straight and narrow path, like there is a prize for us within it. And when you and I are walking in righteousness on the path of justice to, do you see this? To those who love me. Like, we need to pursue wisdom. We need to chase wisdom. We need to love wisdom and realize that so many good things flow out of finding wisdom. To value wisdom is uh, repeated throughout Proverbs. We actually see it, check this out. We see it in verses 10 and 11, as well as uh, 18 and 19. Accept my instructions, what? Instead of silver and, and knowledge rather than pure gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and nothing, nothing desirable can equal it. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold, and my harvest than pure silver. Like Scripture wants us to love wisdom. And just as a reminder, I mean, there's so much wealth and there's so much like riches talk. I gotta say this. Scripture has been pretty clear that we shouldn't love money. Loving money is bad. People fall in love with money and the things that money can buy, but money is not evil in and of itself. Uh, it's not wrong to have money. Uh, we want to earn money. We want to be generous with our, our resources. It's a fantastic tool that God uses all the time, but he's not talking about money here. He's, he's talking about value, wealth. You know, our financial resources are obviously an asset to life and to ministry. It's, it's a tool for life, but we see that wisdom is life. 
all of these riches are a result of finding life within wisdom. Wisdom shouts its worth. It's, it's not a secret. Wisdom produces something that is so much better than any resource you and I can acquire or create here on earth. And wisdom calls for more attention. Look at verse 32. And now, sons, listen to me. Those who keep my ways are happy. Listen to instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Anyone who listens to me is happy watching at my doors every day, waiting by the posts of my doorway. We just want to wait for wisdom and lean into wisdom and chase wisdom. And that's where you find happiness. You know, money can't buy happiness. You can't buy, people have tried, you can't buy happiness. But happiness, like true joy and true blessing, they're within reach. They're, they're within everybody's reach. I just kind of wonder, where's your happiness level? How, how are you doing? And I'm not talking about, you know, worry and anxiety. I'm just like, do you, are you genu- generally a, a, a happy person? Uh, when, when we're not chasing after wisdom, you know, happiness doesn't come from what we get or getting everything that we want. You know, when, when, have you ever just overeaten? You just ate and you just kept eating because you just wanted. And after you ate so much, you just felt gross, right? Like wisdom shows you what is enough and where is enough. And hearing and listening to wisdom leads to happiness. If you want to be blessed, here it is. It's right here. You know, and here, here's, here's something that's implied. I got to tell you this. You know, wisdom is close enough that you can hear it. That's how close wisdom is. You can hear it. And, and wisdom is so valuable, it brings transformation. Wisdom's closer than you think. And and it's worth more than you and I can ever really truly imagine. But when we miss wisdom or when we reject wisdom, there's, there's some consequences. Look at verse 35 and 36. For the one who finds me finds life. I love that. Underline that in your Bible. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but the one who misses me harms himself. All who hate me love death. There are these two roads. There's the wise road and then there's the easy road. There's these two ways. And I'm telling you, the wise way is a no-brainer. When you realize wisdom is more than good decision-making skills, that it's more than a a strategy or a system to uh, achieve the best possible outcome, when you find God's wisdom, it's, it's there where you find life. You know, Jesus is the wisdom of God. I love that. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30. It's, it's from God that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. Like our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. All of that is from Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. God reveals righteousness and sanctification and redemption in the person of Christ. And without Jesus, all we can be is right in our own eyes. We will be forever unchanged and and we will be drifting toward destruction. Without Jesus, we lack purpose. We're constantly shooting for things that we think are going to satisfy or fill us, but we're constantly left feeling empty or satisfied temporarily. Everything a believer needs, it literally comes from Jesus. Like we fall short. We can't measure up. We don't measure up. Like, but Jesus is enough. He is the wisdom of God. We, we see that in him. And guess what? 
so did others. When Jesus was 12, he started talking to some, some guys in, in the temple and they were, they were blown away by what he was saying. Later, when his public ministry started, Jesus, like he was teaching and, and people were astounded. Scripture says they were astounded. You know what others said? I thought this guy was just a carpenter. How is a carpenter so wise? You know how a carpenter is so wise? Because Jesus is the wisdom of God. And what they were hearing and what they were experiencing, it literally, it literally shook them. In John chapter 5, Jesus, he echoes what we see in Proverbs 8. And while his ministry is in full swing, he just starts teaching about life. Here's what Jesus says. Truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me, has eternal life, underlying that in your Bible, and, and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, I tell you, look at that. He says it twice. Don't, he's saying don't miss the value that's right in front of you. He says, truly, I tell you, uh, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he's granted him the right to pass judgment because he's the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this. He's like, this is a no-brainer. Uh, you should get this. It's, it's, it's profound, but it's simple. There's two ways. Don't be amazed by this because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come out, that's what the voice is going to say. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. Come out. Wisdom, now listen, is priceless. And it's easy to attain. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. He's right before each and every one of us. And if you're following Jesus, it's our job to help present him to people who can't see him. Solomon, he continues to mention these two ways, these two paths. Jesus echoes this in his talk about a, a narrow road and a wide road. And, and here he's talking about these two ways and, and, and that there's an easy way, that there's a wise way. John chapter 5, Jesus shows us these two roads. And the two roads are a, a road of life and a road toward condemnation. You know, Jesus is the giver of life. He's the giver of life, but he's also... The final judge. When we leave this life, like if we don't have a relationship with him, he's there to judge, to hold us accountable for our lives. So like, I don't know about you. Do you have a birthday this year? Put, just put your hand up wherever you are, right? Uh, you might, you might not, right? If you have a leap year birthday, you get a birthday every four years. 2024 is going to be your year. But what's true is if you're watching this, you've got life. You have been given life. Jesus is that life giver. And your final judgment will rest on your relationship with Jesus in this life. How you respond to Jesus in this life determines if we're on a path of life or a path of condemnation. Look back at verse 24. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Come on, underline that. And will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. 
Like this is such good news. Jesus, he, he is saying that salvation comes through believing in him. John 3, 16, right? You've got it memorized. Like he is the giver of life. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is offered. You and I can't work for it. Jesus, he just gives it if you submit yourself to him. And Jesus is calling out. He's, he's literally calling out in the streets, in the public square. He's calling out for everyone to hear and offering the gift of salvation. You know, through Jesus, God has salvation ready. But without Jesus, eternal separation and torment is a reality. You know, the good news is that Jesus doesn't take joy in punishing those who he has given life to. He will do it because he is just. But he takes no joy in that. Like right now, he's pursuing, he's pursuing you, he's pursuing me, he's pursuing people who are not yet following him. Jesus is final judge, but his first desire is eternal life. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news that says God loves you, that God gave a gift to you, that if you believe that Jesus is God, you will receive salvation. But guess what? We got to keep reading. I love John 3, 17. Look at this. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. God sent Jesus to save the world. Like, that's what he wants to do. That's his passion. That's his priority right now. Jesus wants to save the world. That's why he came. He is judge. He will be final judge, but his first desire is salvation. Ultimately, we, we will all be held accountable for the life that we are living right now. And here's what's true about our life. Each and every one of us, me too, like, I mean, I fall short. We all fall short of God's perfection. When you look at how perfect God is, what's true is you and I, we don't measure up. Sin broke our relationship with God. It's sin that made us imperfect. And I love this. Proverbs 8 tells us the wages of wisdom is wealth beyond anything that we can produce on our own. It's better than gold and silver. It's better than any jewel. But Romans 6.23 says the wages of our sin is death. You know, we either pay that fine that we owe or we ask Jesus to step in and pay that fine for us. But either way, that debt of sin in our life, it has to be paid. It has to be paid in order for us to be reconciled with God. And, and we can either pay that debt ourselves in eternity or let Jesus pay that for us. You know, Jesus talks about, about life and death and judgment in John 5. And and he says, one day everybody's going to be held accountable. Here's what he says. To those who have done good things, to the resurrection of life, to those who have done wicked things, to the resurrection of condemnation. Underline those words, circle them, point them out. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, to those who have done good things and those who have done wicked things, through the gospel of John, that doesn't mean you and I have good works that get us in and our evil works don't get us in. It literally means good works, meaning uh, believing in Jesus, and bad works means rejecting Christ. Our obedience and good works are actually a, a product of our salvation. They do not produce salvation. Jesus, he gives us the details of what happens to every single person who ever lived. He gives that to us. It's either life or condemnation. There's two roads. That's it. To those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, we'll be raised to life. And all who have ignored or rejected Jesus will be raised to judgment and condemnation. 
Look at what John writes about Jesus. I love this. Sort of an echo of what we read in uh, Proverbs chapter 8. This is the testimony. Remember how uh, Solomon said uh, earlier in Proverbs that like false testimony, false witness is like gross to God. Look at this. This is the testimony. This is what's true. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who has the son has life and the one who does not have the son of God does not have life. I love the idea that a relationship with Jesus is absolutely within reach. It's so incredibly close. Today, Jesus' passion is to pursue everybody for transformation. Look at, look at that verse in Proverbs chapter 8. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor with the Lord. And John, uh, 1 John 5, 12, the one who has the Son has life, and the one who does not have the Son does not have life. I love this word picture. And uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because they're similar, but they're very different. In Proverbs, this phrase uh, is a principle. And, and, and with Jesus, this phrase is a promise. The reason it's a principle in the Old Testament is because he's pulling us towards wisdom and what is wise. And if you do wise things, you're going to find life. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am wisdom. I am the wisdom of God. And if you find me, a relationship with Jesus Christ, you find life. You know, the way we respond to wisdom, it matters. And the way that you and I respond to the wisdom of God, the person of Jesus, it matters forever. God's wisdom reveals that, that we have a need. And the need is to be redeemed. You and I, we can't redeem ourselves. We fall short every time. And God clarifies. He clarifies that the Redeemer is Jesus. If you want to get close to wisdom, if you want to get closer and closer to wisdom, I promise you, you're going to get closer to wisdom if you get closer to Jesus. Jesus reveals God's wisdom to us. Jesus gave up his life so that you and I can have life. He shares his life with us, but it's not forced upon us. It's a gift. And that gift is within reach. God's wisdom is within reach. It's closer than you think, and it's worth so much more than you and I can imagine. Let's pray. God, thanks for the opportunity to just open your word, to listen to your word, to be encouraged by it. Lord, uh, continue to, uh, to break our hearts. God, pull us away from anything that leads us toward condemnation. And I ask in Jesus' name for wisdom to shout louder and louder so that we make our way toward life and on the path of righteousness and justice. God, continue to grow us up. Continue to pursue us. Um, we're so thankful for that. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, have a great week. Love you guys.